Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to examine the Scriptures with us, to search out the meaning of the text of the Bible in regard to the most fundamental of all teachings, Jesus' famous gospel about the kingdom of God. It's important to note that the gospel in the New Testament is rooted in the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. Those are the books which Jesus owned as his Bible, the canon of Old Testament scripture, the law, the prophets, and the writings, referred to by Jesus in Luke 24, verse 44, comprised the sacred revelation which all Jews of Jesus' time, at least those who were believers in God, accepted as a divine repository of inspired information, unfolding and revealing and disclosing God's great plan for the future of our earth. Everyone familiar with God's plan in the first century, those who heard Jesus preach, knew that the promise that God had made to Abraham was yet unfulfilled. Let me remind you that to Abraham, according to Genesis 12, there was a grand promise of land, a territorial promise related to this earth. The Lord had said to Abraham, we read in Genesis 12, verse 1, Go forth from your country, that's from your land, from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you and I will bless you and make you a great nation, and so on. You see, the blessings given to Abraham are connected not only with the famous seed, who turned out, of course, to be the promised Messiah, but also with the land promised to Abraham. In Genesis 13 and verse 14, God said to Abraham, after Lot, his nephew, had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I'm going to give it to you, Abraham, and to your descendants forever. Isn't it clear there that the promise of land made to Abraham had nothing whatsoever to do with heaven? Abraham was not invited to look vertically towards the heavens as though there was some reward for him in the sky. No, he was asked to look in four geographical directions, north, south, east, and west. The whole territory which came within his view, that was the promised land for Abraham. Now, it's essential to keep our feet firmly based in this planet as we think about the Bible and what it promises as the Christian reward. The promise made to Abraham is the basis of the Christian gospel. You read that in Galatians 3, verse 8. Now, as God's unfolding drama and plan developed with Abraham, we read in chapter 15 of Genesis, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm a shield to you, and your reward is going to be very great. And then in verse 5, we read that God took Abraham outside and said, Look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And then Abraham believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now we note on that occasion that Abraham was invited to look towards the sky. But was that to promise him a super celestial reward in the heavens? Well, no, it was simply to give him an idea 
of the vast number of descendants which would be his. It doesn't say that his descendants would go to heaven or be in heaven. He was simply to compare the number of stars with his descendants. And verse 7, God further said to Abraham, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And again in chapter 17 and verse 8, God said this to Abraham, I'm going to give you, Abraham, and to your seed after you, the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Well, as the story in the Old Testament develops, of course we all know that the descendants of Abraham eventually went into the land of Canaan under Joshua. But did Abraham receive the land as God had promised it to him personally? Well, obviously not. Abraham, in fact, died without receiving a square foot of the land promised by divine oath and covenant to him. Now, we read of that fact in a little-known verse in Acts chapter 7 and verses 4 and 5. Stephen there was referring to Abraham's departure from the land of the Chaldeans. Stephen noted that Abraham settled in Haran, and from there, after his father died, God removed him into this country in which you are now living. And he was referring there, of course, to the land of Palestine, what we now know as the land of Israel. And now in verse 5 of Acts 7, And God gave Abraham no inheritance in it, in the land, not even a foot of ground, yet even when he had no child, he promised that he would give it, that's to say the land, as a possession and to his offspring after him. Now the plain fact of the matter is, as we all know, that Abraham has never yet received that land promise, and yet the whole of divine revelation is based on that promise of land and progeny to Abraham. It is that gospel which, as Paul said in Galatians 3.8, was preached to Abraham. It's the Christian gospel. And so it's not surprising to find a very close link between the destiny of Abraham and the destiny of Christians. Not only is Abraham called the father of the faithful in Romans 4, Paul also said in that chapter that we are to have the faith of Abraham, to share in his faith. And what was Abraham's faith based on? Well, here's the answer to that question in Romans 4, verse 13. Paul there gave us an invaluable definition of the great promise made to Abraham. Verse 13 of Romans 4. For the promise to Abraham, or his seed, that he would be heir of the world, was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Well, you may say, how did that promise of the land of Canaan become the promise of the world? And the answer to that question is most simple. In Psalm 2, for example, we find the Messiah is going to have a dominion which stretches to the far corners of the earth, based, of course, on the Abrahamic promise. So the Messiah, in controlling the land of Palestine, according to the promise made to Abraham that he would inherit the land, easily became a promise that he would inherit, he, the Messiah, and Abraham, and the faithful, that they would inherit the entire world, because in the future kingdom of God, expected by all the prophets, 
government was going to issue from its center and headquarters in Jerusalem throughout the land of Israel initially and then from there across the globe. And so Paul very naturally and easily describes the promise made to Abraham as a promise that he would inherit the world and be heir of the world. Now the great question is this, did Abraham, has Abraham ever received that great promise which was the basis of the entirety of the Hebrew revelation? The answer to this question gives us a great key to understanding the entirety of the Bible. In chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews we read this, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was going to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of the promise, the promised land, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now note carefully that Abraham was invited to live in the land of the promise. He was not, of course, living in heaven. He was living on this earth. And that was the promised land which he never received as his own possession. He lived there, in other words, as a resident alien, as a sojourner, as a stranger, as a man with a green card, if you like, a spiritual tourist, without owning the very land which was destined one day to be his forever. The tension which the Bible provides for us is simply this. Abraham has been promised the land. Abraham is now dead. Abraham never enjoyed the fulfillment of that promise. In fact, verse 13 of Hebrews 11 says this, All these faithful people listed here, including Abraham as the great hero of faith, all of them died in faith, Hebrews 11 verse 13, without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles in the land, as that should be translated, in the land. They were exiles in the land. They were strangers in the land. They had not received the promise of the land made to them. Again in verse 39 of Hebrews 11 we read that all of these men of faith, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. How then can they achieve the fulfillment of that promise? Simply by resurrection from the dead in the future. Remember that Jesus in Matthew 8 verse 11 spoke of a time coming when men would come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. Jesus was there referring to a time when the patriarchs will rise from the sleep of death in order to receive that great promise of the land and the earth which had inspired them throughout the entirety of their life. You see, the goal of Christian faith is to inherit the earth and the land with Abraham at the future resurrection. It's an exceedingly simple plan in principle. It requires no more understanding than, for example, the notion of the Olympic Games where you begin the race and you continue the race and you reach the goal, which is to receive the gold medal. The gold medal of all the faithful 
is reception of the land or the kingdom of God in the future in company with Jesus at his second coming. The goal is positively not to disappear to a place beyond the skies, to some kind of reward in a place removed from this planet that's completely outside the scope of the Bible. All this language about going to heaven and -and so-and-so's in heaven falsifies the drama which God so painstakingly records for us in the pages of Scripture. Abraham lived in the promised land. He never owned it, but he was promised it forever. The only solution then to that problem is that Abraham must rise from death by resurrection in order to take part in the fulfillment and the gift of land and territory made to him by the great Abrahamic covenant, fulfilled and made possible through Jesus Christ. Abraham, you see, was a Christian before Christ. He was a Christian by looking forward in faith to the future arrival of Jesus Christ. He believed in the messianic promise. Christians are to believe in the Abrahamic promise, and they're to believe, as Paul said in Romans 4.13, that Abraham is destined one day to receive ownership of the world. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, Paul said, Don't you know that the saints are going to manage the world? And if the world is to come under your jurisdiction, can you not settle your own petty squabbles in the church? He went on to say that no fornicator, no adulterer, no drunkard, no homosexual has any hope of inheriting the kingdom of God. Some of those things some of us have been. Then we have to repent of them, we have to give them up and forsake those lifestyles if we want to have any confidence of living forever in the future kingdom of God to be established by Jesus when he returns in power and glory. We invite you to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God and join us again for our continued investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.